I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He, he who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were the same, sorry, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. By speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knitted together by every ligament with which is, is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, we thank you that you've called us, that we've heard your voice, and that you've given us grace to respond to that call. And we pray this morning, Lord, you'd help us to just fill out and understand more of what it means to respond to your great love for us in Jesus Christ. Because we pray in his name. Amen. Well, the word therefore, the word therefore, it's a big word. Uh, I mentioned it a bit in the uh, monthly newsletter you've got. Because uh, basically when you say therefore, you say uh, because of this, because of what you've heard of what's happened, therefore this is what's next, this is what lies ahead. Uh, and Paul begins this chapter 4, page 207, do have it in front of you, chapter 4, Ephesians. Paul begins with, with, the, word, with the word therefore. And what he has in mind is the previous three chapters, what he's spelled out there. Therefore, because of all this, these are the results. This is what next. So what's Paul done in the first three chapters? Well, he's told us that God has chosen us to be part of his family. We're no longer alone, no longer isolated individuals. We're all part of the family of God in Jesus Christ. Uh, he's told us that our sins have been forgiven because Christ's blood was shed for us on the cross. We come here this morning with, with knowing we're wrong, we're broken, as the bishop said, but we're forgiven. God heals, takes it away. 
Uh, we come here this morning because God put his Holy Spirit within us. That's what Paul again tells us, that we've received that Spirit of God to help us live lives that please God. And so, because of all these things, Paul writes, uh, he says, through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's the result of what God has done for us. Through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, St. Anne's isn't one of those churches where everyone says, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen, and, you know, the congregation make a great big noise and everything while the preacher's on. Uh, well, fair enough. But I think here we ought to make a great, great big noise, okay? Because this is, this is big stuff, okay? That through, through Christ, we approach God with freedom and confidence. So if that doesn't cheer you up on this bright, sunny morning, nothing will. But we can come in God's presence with freedom and confidence. So what we're going to do, I'm going to say that again twice, and each time I say it, you say, Alleluia, praise the Lord. Okay, that's just our response. We're glad about this. This is good news, okay? So I want really beefy, loud response, Alleluia, praise the Lord. And we go through this twice. So, friends, through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Alleluia, praise the Lord. Good, next time even better. Through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Great. That's what we've got to celebrate. That's what, this, what lies behind this there for. In addition, Paul's given us two inspiring prayers in those chapters, which uh, Keith and I have preached on in the last few weeks. And he ends with this uh, inspiring acclamation of faith. Paul says, Now to him who, is, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So then Paul, after all this, continues, therefore, what next? Because of all God has done this for you, God's called you, what are you going to do in response? What sort of life are you going to live? Uh, and as it happens this morning, uh, this therefore chimes in with what we've just heard, that uh, St. James no longer has a vicar. Uh, we've heard that. Therefore, what next? What are we going to do? What does that mean for this church? And both those uh, what next come together in the first part of chapter 4 that we're looking at now. Uh, and Paul answers the what next on three levels. First of all, there's the most basic level. Uh, he writes uh, that we're to live a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, struggling to maintain peace, that's, what's, that's what this therefore of what Christ has done for us leads to. It's that warmth, that gentleness, that kindness to each other in our personal relationships. That's what honors God and that's what Christ has done for us. And that's easy to understand, uh, but it's hard to do. But what helps you to do that is whenever you have something in common with someone, that draws you together with them, doesn't it? Any shared interest, any shared experience uh, bonds you together. Those 13 boys in that uh, cave in Thailand, they got bonded together through that experience. It makes them one. And we're made one by what God has done for us in Christ. Paul writes, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We've sung that. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. That's what bonds us together. The 
one God who is in us through Jesus Christ. That enables us to love each other. And with no vicar in this church, we're going to have to up our game and all of us get more involved in taking responsibility. And as you do that, means we get closer together. And as you get closer together, that can mean tensions. So it's important that we learn how to bear with one another in love. We don't just pass distantly like ships in the night with no contact. We're involved and working together. And for that to happen, we need to bear with each other in love. So our first response to what God has done for us in Jesus is develop loving unity with your fellow Christians. That's our first response. That's what the humility, the gentleness, the patience leads to. Loving relationships with each other, with your fellow Christians. But we don't have to struggle to do that because Christ gives us the grace, Paul writes in verse 7. He gives the capacity to live as we should. Each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. How does that grace to love, to care, how does that develop in us? Well, Paul's answer is very interesting. He says that God provides the church with leaders to help bring that about. God provides leaders in the church to help us to be more of a loving, united community. So verse 11, the gifts that Christ gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Don't want to go into the different types of leadership mentioned there, but in different ways they're all... Uh, upfront leader responsibilities where people are sharing the faith or teaching the faith or passing the faith on to others. And so one, from the, one thing from this passage is to pray for the leaders in this church. Pray for those who come up front and speak. Myself, Keith, Rob, Adam, Nigel Taylor. Pray that we would actually be equipping the whole church to be disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And pray too, especially, that God would already be preparing the next speaker of this church. It'll be several months down the line, but prepare that, that God would be preparing the person who's just right to lead, to teach, to build us up in this church together. Why are leaders important? What is it that you're to look for and pray for in a next vicar? Well, it's someone who can enable the whole church to know Jesus Christ and to grow up into being Christ-like people. Verses 12 and 13, not easy to understand, but Paul writes this, that these leaders are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. That is, in other words, we're, grow up, we're to grow up to be a Christ-like people. Christ is meant to be being formed within the life of this church. So when people look at this church, they see something about Jesus Christ. They see an echo of Jesus Christ in the way we live and relate. An illustration that may, may help you get this, it may or may not, okay? But when, when I was a child, in our Christmas sort of Christmas decorations, we had an inflatable plastic reindeer, okay? Can you imagine that? An inflatable plastic reindeer. So, you know, you'd get them out and there'd be this tacky piece of plastic, coloured brown and red and white plastic. Uh, and you could just about see there were legs there and there was a head there and there were reindeer horns there and so on. But it, it was, wasn't at all like a reindeer. Uh, and then you'd blow in the nozzle and the air would go into this, this uh, plastic reindeer and it gradually would get bigger and bigger. You could see a body emerging. Then you'd see the legs beginning to fill out and a tail emerging. Uh, you know, and you could say, yeah, this is a bit like a reindeer, but you know, the, the, the horns were still a bit floppy because the air hadn't got into them yet and they hadn't been filled out. And you blow harder and harder and harder, and it's quite a job. But eventually, you could seal it up 
and there you've got this little reindeer, four legs, a tail, horns, you know, that looked a bit like a reindeer, got a plastic reindeer, okay. Do you get the point? <laughs> God calls us to allow Jesus Christ to fill out the life of our church, you know. At times we may not look very much like the body of Christ, we may not look like Christ, but as Christ comes more and more into the life of Snan's church, people would begin to say, yeah, I recognize that. I recognize some outline, some shape of Jesus Christ in this church. This church is beginning to look like Christ in terms of its love, of its welcome to people, of its readiness to forgive and receive, of its concern for the holiness and the glory of God. This church is beginning to reflect something of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying leaders are for to help the church reflect Christ, to look like Christ. So our second response then to therefore what Christ has done for us is to know Christ and become more like him, individually and as a church. We allow Jesus Christ as we pray, as we open our lives to God, to change our lives so that we become like him and the life of our church together. The unity of our church reflects the love the care, the service, the compassion, the commitment to others that we see in Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on, he says that just as leaders can help in that task, he says there are others who can lead us astray. So in verse 14, he warns us, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. That is, he's saying there are people who can lead the church astray. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I showed this leaflet. I, I don't want you to think I'm obsessive about this, but uh, I think this is important. Uh, this is to get your blessed oil. Uh, and if you get the blessed oil, it's going to do good things in your life, okay? Uh, it's not nice to go on criticizing other religious groups. But this is, this is crafty. It's deceitful. It's saying you get this oil and somehow you're going to get better. It's trickery. Uh, and because this is quite a religious community, You'll get all sorts of religious trickery and craftiness around of trying to lead people away from Jesus Christ. As I said, there's no mention of Jesus Christ in this. Uh, and the guy who leads this church in Brazil is a billionaire, you know. So it's not, it's not the real thing. Uh, if you're spiritually a child, you may be taken in and say, wow. But as you know Christ, you say, this isn't where Jesus Christ leads us. It's not what he's doing. So people, particularly if our culture is religious, can be childlike and think all religion's good. And Paul says, no, there are tricky, crafty, deceitful people who will mislead you. So how do you know what's right? How do you know what is the real thing? What, what's, what's actually solid and sound and worth having? Well, it's what helps you to grow closer to Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is, is glorified in the church, if people are drawn to Jesus to love him, to trust and follow him, then that's the real thing. That's what God is concerned for. Why? Because Christ alone is the head of the church, and we're his body, Paul says. And he says that the life of Christ flows into each one of us as we listen to him, as we obey him. So the whole church grows. And so in verse 16, Paul speaks of uh, the, whole church, uh, the whole church working together properly, each part working together properly. What's he got in mind here is that we're like a body, like a human body, uh, and Christ is the head of the body, just like your body, your head directs the rest of your body what to do. You know, your head gives instructions and you scratch your ear or you, you know, you pat your knee or whatever you do. You know, your head is all the time instructing your body what to do. And Christ 
wants to instruct his church to do his work. And so were the arms, were the legs, were the hands of doing Christ's work in this world. And as we listen to Christ, we'll find out what it is that God wants us to do to build up and strengthen his church. And so uh, each of us uh, has a part. Each of us has a part to play in that. Uh, you may help the body of Christ by leading the singing. You may be called especially to pray with people. and You've got that particular gift to pray, pray God's will for people. You may be teaching the faith in some way or in, in the Sunday school. Uh, you may be welcoming people at the door. Uh, and we all know how important first impressions are. So that's a big, important job as you welcome people, to smile, to show an interest in people. Serving the coffee. Go to a cafe and, you know, you, you like it if the, if the people behind the counter are friendly. If they're offhand, you don't like it. Serving coffee is an important role of, ta of task of building up the body of Christ. So these aren't just tasks that anyone can do. They're all part of what we contribute to the life of the church. And each of us has the role to play of serving God to enable the body of Christ, the people of Jesus Christ, to do what God has called us to do and be. I think one problem we have here is, uh, if you think about this building, uh, it looks a bit like a theater, doesn't it? You know, there's some of us up the front here, and there's you all out there, the sort of spectators. Uh, and that creates a very wrong impression in our minds. Uh, that the church is, you know, the, the main players up here, and everyone else is just a consumer. You know, you receive it. You're just there passive. My friends, that is not so. That is not how the church operates. Imagine we're all together, around. We're all, we're all participants. We're all taking part. Not just a few people. The whole church is taking part together to become this body of Christ, this people of Christ. And each of us here has a role we can play. We do that when we sing wildly, joyfully, praise to God. You do it if someone comes and sits in the seat next to you and you smile at them and say hello and introduce yourself if you don't know them. Uh, as we serve coffee afterwards, as we care for the kids, uh, as we seek to show the love when we go from here, we show Christ's love to our neighbors, our families, our friends. All that's the body of Christ being filled out, growing up, becoming mature, becoming solid as Jesus Christ reigns within us. So therefore, therefore, Paul says, because of all these great things that Christ has done for you by his death and resurrection and giving you his spirit, therefore what happens? What's the results? First of all, develop loving unity amongst yourselves. Be patient, be kind, be gentle with one another. Seek unity. Secondly, can't find my place. Secondly, to know Christ and become more like him. To allow Christ to fill your life so the way you live reflects the love of Christ. It's not just being nice, it's allowing Christ's spirit to change you and make you that sort of person. And thirdly, it's to play your part in building up this family, this body of Christ, so that Stan's church can be to Tottenham what, what Jesus Christ wants to be. A place that echoes and shows out love, care, compassion. A place that's holy, that cares about the truth and how God wants us to live. A place that honors God because we worship and praise him. May God enable us. Therefore, because of all Christ has done for us, because we're now in a new phase in our church life, therefore, may we show that love. May we truly become Christ to the people around us. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, we pray that you would both thrill our hearts with the great things that Jesus Christ has done for us to save us, to make us part of his family. And we pray that you would raise our imagination and our will 
to become truly Christ's people, Christ's family, Christ's body in this place, to do his work. Lord, I ask that you would show each one of us the steps we can take to make that more so in the way we live. In Jesus' name.